Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook em up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook them up with E and Rod V. The fabulous fifth hour is here on this day after Valentine's Day. That's right. It's actually Singles Awareness Day. I don't know if you knew that, Ty. Uh, Singles Awareness Day. You had a nice date last night with your lady friend and you know, did a nice job lunch and got her some stuff. And But it seems to me that you are happier together with someone than you are single. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. I not agree kinda, with that. Kind of keeps you tied down a little bit, you know, because you get a little loose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. The, the, the hunt to find a girl is a little <laughs> too much for me sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, look, National Singles Awareness Day is always the day after Valentine's Day. It's supposed to celebrate single people. But whoever came up with it, uh, you know, we just had the biggest day of, you know, for the year for couples, and today is Singles Awareness Day. Um, it's kind of weird to have it right afterwards, kind of like slap in the face a little bit. But, uh, um, you know, it actually has grown into a thing. Um, you know, people are actually into it. For, you, know, I, you know, I'm single and proud of it, single and loving it kind of thing. And that uh, that can be a thing for some people. I just want you to listen to your happy thing, you know. Find hookups and do that kind of stuff, and then be happy. But uh, you know, singles for not you know together not for everybody. Ty, you know, there's something for everybody out there. I like that. No, I have friends that have never had girlfriends before, but they get plenty of girls. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Never had a girlfriend like long term. No, yeah, I actually have a friend who. I mean, he's I've been friends with him since like fifth grade, and he just this in the last six months got his first girlfriend ever. But he's an attractive <laughs> guy, talks to girls all the time. Just never, never was official with anybody. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, you know, that's that's uh, that's for t- to each his own. But hopefully, you had a good Valentine's Day if you're honoring and being a part of National Singles Awareness Day. That could be your thing too. And it's easier to be single. Well, let me ask you this, right, Ty? Is it easier or harder to be single today than it has been? Like, I mean, you're not old enough to maybe know, but with the dating apps and all that, does that make it easier uh, or is it uh, harder? I don't know. I'm trying to because you got Bumble and you got t- uh, Tinder and you got all these options, and it does seem like it makes it uh, more efficient. But is it easier or harder? Um. I mean, living in Austin, it should be easy no matter what. Um, I don't think you need to be on a, any apps. I've been on those. It just, it, it, it's. I'm more of a meet in person kind of guy, so that kind of all that stuff kind of convolutes the whole dating game itself. But I, I'd say it's probably harder with because there's more distractions. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I found it. I find it easy to find the girl I'm with right now. I, I probably the the most perfect fit I've found so far in the city. So, and where did you knows? find her? Um. <laughs> Well, I met her through one of her friends who I met at Deep Eddy this summer. Okay, so you're doing your night your nightly night crawl at the Deep Eddy Cabaret down on. Um... No, I, I took one. I was taking one of her friends to see that Black Pumas concert that uh, Nick Shuley hooked it up with a few months ago. Yeah, and uh, we we went to a bar on West Six before to meet some of her friends, and she was like, the girl who I was taking was like, "Hey, you should go talk to that girl over there. You'd probably like her a lot more than me." And now we're here. And turns out, here you go. You she know? was right. 
matchmaker. Good job. Uh, that worked out. That's, that's a good thing. And uh, here you are. At Valentine's Day, bought her a record player, did all kinds of nice things. That's a good job. Good job by you, Ty. Uh, all right, we're going to talk to our buddy C.J. Vogler. Rod had to take off. He had an appointment to get to. He'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Uh, but C.J. is uh, one of the best. We're talking Longhorn football and some other topics with C.J. Uh, here in a second. He's, of course, with the Beyond Texas Football Channel. That's growing like crazy that Rod and I work with as well. He also uh, works with uh, the College Football Insider at the Football Brainiacs. Does a great job covering the Longhorns and all things football. So we'll talk with him. Let me know when you got him, Ty, and we'll talk to C.J. Uh, get some conversation going with him. We're also talking about the Cowboys and Mike Zimmer made it official yesterday. We'll hear from sound from Coach Zimmer coming up. Uh, he is officially the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys, wanting to bring discipline to an already very good Cowboys defense. Mike Zimmer was clear yesterday. Look, this is a, a talented team. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have a rebuild of any kind to do. We got to get this thing locked in. Fewer penalties. Gosh, how many how many defensive offside penalties do the Cowboys have this past season? Those are things that got to come come to an end. Uh, Mike Zimmer's always been that kind of defensive disciplinarian coach, who. Uh, you know, that's what his defenses are known for. I think the Cowboys are excited to have him running their D. Also, uh, as we talked about throughout the morning, Kansas City Chiefs gave their defense coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, the, uh, you know, the extension. He's going to be locked in there in, in Kansas City. So while they're talking about, and Rod and I are talking about Steve Spagnuolo, maybe in the future being a Hall of Famer as a coordinator alone, just for what he's done in these huge games and for, and for the New York Giants and now the Kansas City Chiefs and winning Super Bowls, that maybe it's, it's worthy. He gets like an extension. Meanwhile, Kyle Shanahan says adios to his often defensive coordinator still Steve Wilkes after just one season. Uh, Wilkes is out. And uh, I would say this, that, um, you know, I know uh, and I understand the national narrative. There's a lot of people out there that are upset about this, that Steve Wilkes, you know, his, his defense only gave up 19 points to Patrick Mahomes in regulation. His defense didn't muff a punt. His defense didn't, you know, miss an extra point. His defense, uh, you know, you know, it was Kyle Shanahan's offense and Kyle's decision to get the ball. Look, Kyle Shanahan wasn't getting fired here. Uh, what I would say about Kyle Shanahan making this decision, I give him more credit because the perception is going to be what it is, that he's scapegoating uh, this defensive coordinator. But if you've been listening to this show and listening to Rod, Rod's been telling you for the last month or so that even if they win the Super Bowl, the 49ers were likely to make a change at defensive coordinator, uh, that that's how – uh, that, that's how large the rift had grown between Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes during the season uh, because they were just seeing things differently and he wasn't happy the way the coordination was going with the uh, the blitz packages in the back end and they were giving up too many big plays. And then, of course, Rod talks about the perimeter yards given up. So, I mean, again, when I saw it come down yesterday, I wasn't surprised at all. Now, I was surprised by the timing because they had just had a press conference, uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, uh, just, you know, uh, 12 hours earlier in which they said, you know, didn't announce it at all. They waited until after that press conference to make the announcement. So that was odd. Uh, but at the same time, doesn't surprise me Wilkes is out. I also understand people calling it the scapegoat. In the end, I do think it was a bigger picture thing for Kyle Shanahan that he did not want to proceed with this defensive coordinator, regardless of what happened on Sunday. Uh, he was making planning to make a move, and he'd only been there for one year. And after Robert Sala left, remember they promoted D'Amico Ryan's. After D'Amico left to take the Texans' job, uh, they hired Steve Wilkes from outside, and you know clearly it just didn't go great even though they were in the Super Bowl and only gave up 19 points in regulation to Patrick Mahomes. But in the end, I think it was a bigger philosophical riff, and uh, now he's going to move on, and we'll see who he hires. Um, <laughs> it was Rod that reminded us earlier that uh, uh, the Shanahan family, Mike and Kyle, close with Bill Belichick. Like they, they're, they're, like, close. 
you wonder if Bill Belichick would come in and run the defense in San Francisco as Kyle Shanahan now desperate to win a Super Bowl here at some point. That would be a storyline to follow. Mike Vrabel would be a name too. Hey, let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline, switch some gears and talk some uh, football in general with one of our favorites. He's uh, um, you know, one of my uh, compadres over there on the On Texas Football Channel, also the football insider for uh, the football brainiacs covering the Texas Longhorns, C.J. Vogel. What's up, Siege? Aaron, how's it going? Doing all right? Doing great, brother. Doing great. Uh, hey, listen, uh, you're a single guy, right? I'm assuming. I, I don't think we've ever confirmed that, but you are a single fella. Sure am. Had a great Valentine's Day yesterday. See? Well, because before you came on, we were talking about today is actually National uh, Singles Awareness Day. That, you know, after we honor couples, now we honor singles. And are you, are you happy to be single? Because we found out our producer, Ty, you know, is recently got a girlfriend now. But he does better with a girlfriend because with it, without it, it doesn't, you know, he kind of gets out of control sometimes. I'm just saying. No, I mean, this is great. I, I'm planning on being single for a little bit longer now that the NCAA uh... – or I guess EA College Football 25 trailer just dropped. It looks like I won't even be in the market and for the next year, you know? you got a video game to play, and uh, you're ready to crank it up. I like that. Hey, look, and, uh, um, you know, you don't have to get locked in. You, there's girls out there you can hang around with. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can, find, you can find affection if you need it. I know that's out there. But at the same time, uh, you're going to be playing a video game. Hey, also for our audience that doesn't know this, because we talked about it on the On Texas Football Channel, you, uh, and Ty, you'll love this story, CJ, made a 12-hour trip to Vegas right ahead of the Super Bowl, didn't even get a hotel room, just flew out and flew back and never had a bed planned. And uh, tell us how that went. Well, it, it could have gone a lot better had my luck on the blackjack and box rock tables been a, uh, a little bit different. But, no, it was a blast. I mean, I, I, I woke up from a late Friday nap, sat on the couch, and kind of wondered what I was going to do Friday night, had a buddy come down. And I uh, said so he had a, a, a sweet Instagram deal to fly out to Vegas. I said, let's do it. So uh, uh, in about a 20-minute uh, period, we took a, I, I took a shower, packed a backpack, and hopped on a flight out to Vegas and uh, had, a, had a great time. Uh, didn't sleep at all. Didn't, that wasn't necessarily in the plan. So uh, about 10 straight hours at, at the tables and then uh, hopped on a flight about 8, 8.45 that next morning and came back down to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Ty, you like this? Is that, is that something you would do? That reminded me of you when, when I saw CJ doing that and documented on social media. Uh, that, that's a good trip. Have you ever done anything like that, Ty? Go just I fly out and fly back? I aspire to do something like that. That's awesome. <laughs> I aspire. Do it. See, like, you're a role model, CJ. You're a role model. I like it. Hey, uh, all right, let's uh, – a little Texas football – oh, boy, is right. Hey, uh, a <laughs> little Texas football talk, I, and, and, and where we're headed here is obviously the off season now. Longhorns are going through winter workouts. I just saw you retweet a text that uh, – or an X that uh, suggests that maybe uh, Colin Simmons, part of this recruiting class, part of these early enrollees that – uh, there's a t- it's a tweet that says the, the, that he's up 20 pounds since the end of his high school career, been working in the weight room. Uh, what do you make of that? And the picture is pretty impressive of Colin Simmons and what kind of impact he can have on this Texas defense, even as a freshman, because we know Steve Sarkeesian and this staff are not you know, scared of putting young players on the field if they can help them. Yeah, Colin Simmons was obviously one of the most anticipated freshmen to arrive on campus uh, at the turn of the semester. Clearly, he was uh, one of the highest-rated prospects in all of the country. He was the only composite five-star in what ended up being the number six-ranked class for the Longhorns this past season. Uh, but for Simmons, I mean, the question was how quickly would he adapt 
to the level of college football that Texas is going to play in the SEC. Uh, we're clearly seeing it's not going to take him very long. I saw him in Orlando for the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, he looked good. He did not perform. He was coming off of an ankle sprain, and as a result, uh, he was probably sitting right around 220, 222 uh, at the time, right at the turn of the calendar at the end of December there. But uh, now we're getting an update about a month and a half away from that time. I saw him in Orlando uh, a month into winter conditioning here in Austin. He's up to 240 pounds. He looks tremendous. His upper body is, is what you want to see as an edge rusher. Uh, in the SEC, and he's doing so as a freshman. I think he can still add about five or ten more pounds uh, before uh, summer conditioning rolls around, and by then it's all about maintaining that weight into the fall. I think we'll see him enter the fall season right around 245 pounds, which is a tremendous number to be at if you're Colin Simmons at 6'3 off the edge. Uh, No one on the Texas team has his twitch and explosion there, and now he will have uh, the, the size necessary to combat those big-time SEC offensive tackles. So very encouraging early uh, remarks for Colin Simmons. And, and like you said, Aaron, I mean, that photo that we saw on Twitter was, was spectacular. Yeah, he looks great. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, all music to Longhorn fans' ears, and I'm sure Pete Kwiatkowski. You know, again, I mean, the Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian, he, he comes from the Nick Saban philosophy that if, if he's good enough, he's old enough. I, you know, grades, age doesn't matter. And he's proved that with Xavier Worthy when he was a freshman and Kelvin Banks when he was a freshman, Anthony, Anthony Hill last year, Manny Muhammad. Uh, you know, when you look at that edge position for Texas as they have kind of overhauled their secondary, we know that. But the edge, you know, they want to cover better in the back end, we know that. But they also want to get home more often and get quarterbacks on the ground, more splash plays, more big plays in the, in the backfield. Um, you know, how, how do you see Colin Simmons fitting? Uh, let's start with this, though. I want to go back to Colin Simmons, and I want to get a little more expanded on the edge. I mean, when you, of high school players you've seen while covering them, uh, how special is Colin Simmons as just a natural get-after-the-quarterback pass rusher coming out of Duncanville? He's one of the best I've seen. I, I, I really like what I saw from Anthony Hill. I know he was more of a, a true off-ball, you know, middle-of-the-field linebacker. But when he, you know, needed to plant his feet and come down uh, and make a play after the quarterback, he was able to do so probably better than anybody I had seen. Harold Perkins is in that conversation as well. Uh, but Colin Simmons is a little bit, uh, a little bit different, obviously, in the sense that he is after the quarterback every play. You know, he has a hand in the dirt going up against – uh, what you would expect to be the opposing team's best offensive line prospect, more times than not being uh, doubled or, or triple teams. You know, there's m- many guys that you are able to scheme against because of their position in high school, and Simmons is one of those. Does it ever work? More times than not, it doesn't. And so uh, I, I was really impressed with his get-off. He played in a very competitive district and obviously won back-to-back uh, state titles at Duncanville. He is one of the best edge rushers I've seen at the high school level. And now that he's added 20 pounds, that twitch and explosion, if it's able to maintain the level that we saw in high school, it's going to be a very, very positive combination for the Longhorns early in his career. I agree with that. I mean, you mentioned Anthony Hill, too, because, you know, those two guys on the field together, uh, you know, unbelievable twitch and unbelievable speed uh, at those spots and both highly productive in high school. And obviously at Duncanville, Colin Simmons also won himself a state basketball title playing basketball. So, you know, he's a competitor, uh, multiple sport athlete, just a, a raw. And that's one of the reasons he's gained this weight. I'm sure playing basketball, you know, you, you, don't, you don't get as bulky or you're running all the time. You, now he can put on the football weight it's going to take to, as you said, navigate the, the Southeastern Conference. 
conference moving forward. But that whole edge position uh, last year was a big question mark. I thought it was better last year with the emergence of an Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrells and uh, some other guys. But, um, you know, when you talk about Colin Simmons, you also got Trey Moore coming in from UTSA where he had 14 sacks, 14 and a half sacks for the Roadrunners last year, a proven commodity coming off the edge. Just one of those natural pass rushers that's, that's shown it at the D1 level. Uh, Colton, Vosick, uh, Colton Vosick and Ethan Burke improving. Baron Sorrells is back. Uh, this could go from a, a big uh, a weakness a couple of years ago to a strength of the team potentially in 2024. Yeah, it absolutely could. And I, I, there are many positions on a football field that impact the game and, you know, the, the win losses of a season, but none so much that matter defensively more so than the defensive end spot. And, I mean, you look back at Texas's biggest wins last year, where were the biggest plays made against Alabama's Anthony Hill coming off the line uh, or off the edge to make several sacks uh, against Kansas State? It was Ethan Burke forcing a forced fumble uh, on the three-yard line, which Texas punched in right away for a, uh, a quick touchdown. I mean, it's just it, – it is so impactful because it's the easiest way to create negative plays uh, on the quarterback, uh, whether it be sacks, forced fumbles, uh, tipping a ball up into the air, forcing an incompletion, whatever it is, it all starts at the line of scrimmage and the end is the easiest spot to, to really dictate pressure on that uh, the opposing quarterback. Uh, you know, you look at the, the Super Bowl that you all were just mentioning – the first half, what was happening with the 49ers defense? Well, it was Chase Young and it was, Joe, uh, it, it was Bosa, you know, really finding ways to get after Patrick Mahomes. You know, he was sacked very often in that first half. The second half comes around. What happens? A tight end sticks in the chip, running back health and protection. Now you give Mahomes a little bit more time to do what he does, and now you're sitting back thinking, you know, we had a 10-point lead. Where did that go? Oh, well, you know, that pressure that we used to have at the, at the line of scrimmage isn't getting home and Mahomes is able to escape. So uh, that Texas defensive end spot in 2024 is certainly looking like it is going to continue taking a step in the right direction as we saw in 23. Now with a little bit more splash, uh, obviously the returning production of Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke combined with Moore and Simmons, this should be a group that you see a lot more splash plays uh, uh, with in 2024. It's something that Texas is desperately going to need as they enter the SEC. 100%. And that's the thing with the uh, the stickier coverage, they want to be able to play in the back end that Rod's talked about so much, CJ, with improved pass rush. I mean, the biggest question mark on the defense is going to be, unfortunately, the run defense, right? Because you know, the run defense was the strength of the team last year with Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, two guys who are going to hear their name called pretty early in the NFL draft coming up. Uh, you have to replace those guys. But if they can be even close um, you know, you know, of, of that type of run defensive team, they're going to be tough. If they can put teams in third and long, cover better in the back end with Makuba and Jade Barron and uh, Derek, Derek, you know, I mean, Daryl, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the two corners, Manny Muhammad and uh, Terrence Brooks, of course. I mean, if they can, um, you know, really cover better, then that lets that pressure get home. That can be a, an impact thing uh, like you just talked about with the 49ers. I think that's what the Chiefs do, by yeah, the way. The Chiefs absolutely. do a great job. The Chiefs cover so well. Uh, they, they're so sticky in the back end. That leads to the sacks for Chris Jones, the pressures for Chris Jones, the George Karloftis, you know, Charles Amenahu before he got hurt. They cover so well. That's why I could see this Longhorn group developing uh, this year and beyond. Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up because it's almost a contrast in styles, if you will. You know, the, the Niners are so front-heavy that it helps up their secondary, whereas the Chiefs, you know, we saw that their secondary with Mc, uh, McDuffie and obviously uh, – uh, uh, Le- Legereus Sneed, you know, those guys are so talented in the back end, it helps out 
Chris Jones up front coming from the middle and obviously some of their guys off the edge. Uh, it would have been great to see Charles a minute. He'll get a ring and be healthy for that game. But uh, you understand the point that I'm trying to make with, you know, kind of their styles defensively and the strength of those defenses. You want them to complement one another. And I think Texas did a, a solid job last year, um, whether it be sticking in coverage just long enough or, or getting just enough pressure, most of it which coming from the interior this year, I'm expecting it to be a strength at both ends of the defense. Obviously, you mentioned the portal additions, the returning cornerback. Uh, Derek Williams, obviously, back deep at safety, kind of manning center field back there. And now the revamped uh, the defensive end spot, you're potentially looking at a defense that could really piece things together in the passing game, whereas the question mark still remains, will they be able to stop the run on the interior, and how will the linebackers fit? in both the pass and run games moving forward. But right now you have to be excited about the approach Texas is taking in the passing game as they enter the SEC as well uh, for next season. And obviously the offense uh, should not be – should be uh, one of the better offenses in, big, in college football this coming season. Obviously Quinn Ewers at the helm and a veteran uh, offensive line and uh, the receivers that have been brought in through the portal, good running back. So if the defense uh, takes another step forward and the joining that offense, watch out. Texas absolutely can be a, a preseason top three or, three or four type team and, a, and an absolute contender in the SEC. Uh, C.J. Vogel is with us. C.J. is uh, one of the best. He's my uh, cohort over there at the On Texas Football Channel. He does great work there all the time. Check that out also at the uh, Football Brainiacs, uh, the Longhorn Insider there. Hey, CJ, we just talked last hour to uh, to Drew Bishop, who I know you talked to on Saturday on uh, your Saturday sh- uh, conversation. But Drew Bishop, of course, formerly a Texas baseball player, worked in the program now, um, you know, working outside of it, but still very knowledgeable. Uh, you are a ball player yourself coming through. Uh, what are you most excited about this Texas baseball team? Looks like a real deep team with veteran leadership at the top, both pitching and, and uh, hitting and in the offense. A lot of young talent, uh, a lot of a lot of some, some freshmen turning to sophomores that you know should take giant strides. This looks like a pretty darn talented baseball team. Yeah, and it looks like it has great balance of returning production, returning stars, and obviously some big name freshmen. Uh, I, I mean, you look at LeBaron Johnson, what he was able to do as the Texas number one last year uh, on the Hill. I'm expecting another big year from from him. My question in the Texas uh, kind of rotation is. How does Tanner Witt figure into this spot? You know, is he going to come out of the bullpen to start the year? Have you seen his uh, velocity really return to what it was two years ago when he was fully healthy, lighting the world on fire? That's kind of the big question mark I, I have right now for him. If you can have any sort of plus production from him on the field, Texas has to be sitting in a great spot uh, with their arms. But right now, I really love the bat. Porter, uh, Porter Brown is one. One guy that I think is going to be an, an all-conference prospect once again this year. And Will Gasparino, the incoming freshman at, in right field. I mean, I cannot, uh, cannot state how much great things I have heard from him uh, so far since his arrival on campus. And so uh, a lot of ex- uh, excitement. Last year in the Big 12, I know uh, opponent ballparks are going to be filled to the brink. And, and man, it's exciting. One, one last go-around. Yeah, one thing that stands out, I mean, we know LBJ on the mound and the Tanner Witt thing, you know, if he is fully healthy, he's an absolute bulldog. Um, and, and, and Charlie Hurley's got a ton of experience. That looks like the most, you know, as, uh, as Drew said, you've got to work the puzzle and how to get 36 innings a week out of your pitching staff. But, man, um, you know, the, the athleticism of this team, I think, kind of jumps off the, the roster to me. When I'm, when I'm thinking about what we saw from Jared Thomas uh, coming in from Waxahachie last year and uh, Jalen Flores, who's going to play shortstop, who's a plus athlete at 6'2", 
Um, you know, uh, you just mentioned Will Gasparino. There's also uh, the, the kid Farmer from California who might be the best athlete on the team. This team's going to be able to really run, which, which allows you to, you know, play great defense to typically. Also, you know, stretch extra bases, you know, run the bases at a high level. Uh, this team looks really, really athletic to me on paper. Would you agree with that? I do, and I, I think you're seeing a little bit of that, obviously. Uh, with, when Luke Storm departed from the team, I think you saw how quickly, you know, behind the scenes, the, the word of mouth was really just saying, you know, we've got a guy to fill that role. You know, there's, there's not going to be a big gap as a result of that. And I think Texas feels very comfortable with about 10 or 12 prospects uh, or players on the team right now to step into uh, the lineup and give you contributions on a day-to-day basis, which is very encouraging because that's not an easy thing to do. You know, it's, it's one thing for big-time pro- uh, programs that have probably four or five guys at the top of their lineup uh, really carry the load. But when you can see uh, a full lineup, one through nine, start contributing and, and be a problem for opposing pitching staffs, it's going to help you so much whenever the conference series start rolling around. And now you're on pitcher 9, 10, and 12 uh, you know, in, in, on Saturdays and Sundays. It, it'll add up as the season progresses. No question. Let's finish up on the baseball side with Will Gasparino. You, you talked about how you've heard so many good things about him. I mean, uh, as Drew said, and I think we all know, no one really expected him to ever make it to campus, right? He was supposed to be a high draft pick, which he was. He was drafted, uh, but decided he still wants to come play for David Pierce and play college baseball. Uh, he's 6'6". Six, six. Uh, he's got a great frame. He's 210, 215 pounds. He's a plus athlete uh, who can roam the outfield and uh, swings a big bat. What it, uh, it was Drew, Drew compared him to Drew Stubbs, the former uh, Longhorn and major, longtime major leaguer. What do you see when you see Will Gasparino, and what is his ceiling even in year one? No, I, I, I love that comparison. I, I think it's really encouraging because he, he has, you know, you, you hear the, the, the five-tool kind of, uh, a, a slogan tossed around m- many of these top prospects. And for Gasparino, I'm really excited to see his bat combined with what he does in the outfield. Uh, great speed as well. It's, it's kind of rare at Texas. Obviously, you hear about all these great prospects that they get committed to them out of high school, but rarely do you see the top of that class make it to campus as a result of you know where they fall in the MLB draft. For Gasparino, I think he's one of those guys that – uh, you know, and over the last 10, 15 years, you probably would have seen him uh, sign with a major league program uh, rather than going to college. So I think it's very exciting to get him on the 40 acres, really to just see what he can do in the burnt orange. And so, uh, you know, it's exciting not only for this year, but as you head into the SEC, he figures to be one of those top guys uh, in the entire conference, if not the country, by the time his, uh, his sophomore and junior seasons roll around. I I cannot wait, really really looking forward to seeing what they're able to do in the middle of that lineup right there. And I think he, by the end of the year, could be the best player on this program. That's saying a lot. And uh, just talented players come into this program in a long, long time as far as, and as we said with Drew, his father is the uh, director of, of the minor league system, the director of scouting for the L.A. Dodgers. <laughs> so he's grown up in a baseball family. Uh, he's not intimidated by, you know, the scene or the moment. you got to think. Uh, the Longhorns will open up with San Diego this weekend. That'll be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, and last thing for you on, on baseball, C.J., the uh, the schedule and, and then the Big 12, right? We just saw the Longhorns go through in football and, 
they're doing it in basketball. You know, the final trips into these stadiums and the you know final baseball trip into to into Lubbock will happen in early March, right? They're going to play Texas Tech. They have Baylor here, but uh, they do have to go down to, this, to, to U of H, University of Houston, uh, for the final time. Uh, Oklahoma is going to be. I mean, th- these are these are going to be great series. What? Uh, who do you think at the top of the Big Twelve is? I think the Longhorns are up there. Who else do you think are going to be the chief contenders for that uh, final Big Twelve championship for the Longhorns in it? Yeah, I, I think Oklahoma is going to have a pretty strong year. TCU will be another tough team to beat, as they are just about every year. Uh, one of the surprise teams, and I think Drew might have mentioned this earlier this morning, is going to be Kansas State. They they are someone that uh, you know you don't necessarily think a whole lot about whenever it comes to baseball, but they have a pretty solid squad returning, and it looks like they're going to be in contention uh, again. And you know, we, we we've talked about it over and over again. Going to Lubbock to play baseball is never going to be easy, especially in you know, what is kind of considered that Cracker Jack ballpark. It's a little, a little smaller, and balls kind of fly out of there uh, with regularity. So I'm eager to see just, you know, one last trip up there. And uh, right now, TCU, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and, and the Longhorns, it looks like they're going to be uh, battling it out once again for that, that conference title. Looking forward to it. And then, boy, next year, that SEC. I know we were excited about the SEC in football. That SEC baseball schedule is going to be something else uh, when the Longhorns um, get in there and, and deal up with, SM, with uh, of course, A&M and uh, LSU and uh, Alabama. And there's so many so many great programs over there. Florida and Vanderbilt, looking forward to that for sure. Arkansas. Hey, CJ, thanks so much, man. Appreciate that uh, jumping on for us here and then the fabulous fifth hour. I'll see you on the On Texas Football Channel. And uh, stay single. Go get that video game, okay? <laughs> Oh, I'll be I'll be practicing. I appreciate y'all. All right, buddy. C.J. Vogel. Yeah, there it is. I uh, as uh, he mentioned to start that conversation. EA Sports has just dropped the trailer for the uh, coming this summer. The full reveal in May. College football twenty five. Which uh, Ty, you're a big video game guy too, right? Are you excited about that? I am. I am getting right. a lot of text this morning about it. <laughs> a lot of text this morning. All right, we'll come back. We roll all the way to eleven o'clock here in the fabulous fifth hour. Hook him up with Ian Rod. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 101.9 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, time for a little what's popping as we get you ready for a busy Thursday night. Not the busiest, but we're heading to the baseball all-star break. Excuse me, basketball all-star break. We got baseball on the brain and starting up, of course, with the, the conversation with Drew Bishop this morning. Also, uh, C.J. Vogel is with us to talk some Texas baseball. I know a lot of Longhorn fans excited to get out to uh, the dish this weekend. Occupy left field will be cranking, and they'll be ready for San Diego uh, this weekend. Ty, are you going to try to get out to a, a baseball game this weekend to open up the uh, the year? Uh, we'll see. I got I got two of my friends have birthdays this weekend, so I think I'm going to be wrapped up, you know, treating them nicely all weekend. It seems like that's a, that's a good friend that you are of, of your of your of your buds. I mean, birthdays are good. It's still your age when you're in your mid twenties. They still matter. You know, once you get to my age, they really don't. Well, one of days. one of these people is a girl, so she's she's Ooh. she's going to the max. On she she's probably she's one of my top three best friends probably. But she I've known her for a long time. But she she loves her birthday. She's been talking about this day for the last I think six months. Every <laughs> time I see week. her. Birthday week kind of deal. All right, well, there you go. Uh, also, you've got uh, the Longhorns. You also have Texas State in action this weekend. They're going to be playing Youngstown State down there at Bobcat Ballpark for Coach Trout. So they'll be cranking it up. Always good to have some baseball. Now that football season is in the rear view, but, gosh, we know football season never ends. I wanted to uh, you know, re- revisit the Cowboys conversation with Mike Zimmer. Uh, can we hear this piece of audio, uh, Ty? Mike Zimmer 
uh, had a press conference yesterday uh, or was introduced by the Cowboys. He was sitting next to Mike McCarthy, who's the head coach and offensive coordinator. But like Mike Zimmer at 67 years old. This is the new brain trust of the Cowboys. Uh, and here's Mike Zimmer talking. Well, here's the question because a lot of people were wondering why the, the, the contract, or at least Mike Zimmer would be becoming the new defensive coordinator in Dallas. It seemed like it was agreed to last, uh, you know, last Thursday. A week ago today, at, uh, out in Vegas, that the NFL honors is when the news broke that it was official. But nothing uh, became officially official until like Monday or Tuesday, and that led people to wondering if there was some haggling going on. And then Rex Ryan got involved and had his comments about he doesn't think it's a done deal and he'd still like to be considered for that post. So here is uh, Mike Zimmer being asked about that and uh, pretty logical explanation. Talk about the process of uh, getting this job and everything. Just. Um, I think reports started coming out on Thursday that things were closed. Just what were these last few days like for you and closing the deal and, and kind of what, what happened there? Yeah, well, my, my, my daughter who lives with me was, was throwing up for three days, and she got me sick. So I was in bed for a couple of days, and then the Super Bowl was going on. So, you know, we, we kind of really just slow played it and kind of went from there. So um, it wasn't any uh, intense negotiations or anything like that. I knew I wanted to be here. I knew they wanted me to be here. And, I'm, you know, I was told by – oops, sorry. Somebody calling for a job. Um, uh, it, really, it really was. Yeah, it really was. Uh, so, so um, but it, we knew we would get it. You know, I was told we were going to get this thing done anyway, so it wasn't it wasn't any big deal. So, did you see Rex Ryan's comments? And did you was there anything? I, I see a lot of Rex Ryan comments. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rex Ryan. You know, he's on TV, so he gets to say what he wants, and we all get to see a lot of Rex Ryan comments on ESPN and uh, good stuff right there. Ty, you're the Cowboys fan. Uh, excited to have Mike Zimmer. I mean, I, it's hard to say it's an upgrade from Dan Quinn because Dan Quinn is one of the best DCs in the league and had been offered head coaching jobs each of the last two off seasons. Now in the third time around, he finally took one and he's gone to Washington. But uh, Mike Zimmer had been a head coach, of course, of the Minnesota Vikings for eight years and then has been out of the game for a couple of years. Um, but uh, still, uh, you know, wherever he goes over his history, his defenses are disciplined, sound, and among the top in the league. Are you excited to have Mike Zimmer? I wouldn't say I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, they're pro- that, that this isn't going to shake things up too much. Obviously, the schemes are different, but we – for the past few years, I've expected Dan Quinn to move on to another head coaching position. So it's not like I was surprised. Am I, if, I don't think there was any candidates out there that I would have been overtly excited about, though, you know, besides maybe of Mike Rabel. But it didn't seem like that was ever really going to happen. Um, I'm, I'd say I'm a, I'm a 5.5 out of 10, as about as average as I can feel about this. 5.5 out of 10. And uh, what's your level of optimism for the Cowboys moving into this offseason? You, I know you, you, you weren't optimistic. You're kind of like me, that as long as Dak Prescott's the quarterback, you're not going to get too excited. Yeah, unless they I, – I, I always get excited around the draft. Um, I, they can't miss again like they did on Mozzie Smith. I mean, I, he's obviously young. He's got a lot of time to develop. But I think they need to get drafted an impact player in the first round. I, I could get excited about that, but – I'm sure they'll start the season great. Dak will start off great, and we'll just be right back here again next year. Well, we'll see. I mean, this is, is this the year for regression, and we really have to see what happens with Dak and happens with that, uh, um, you know, the Well, you they're going to extend him this, this offseason. 
correct? I know they have to, um, but at the same time, as I've argued and deaf ears, if you if you want to get through the Dak Prescott thing and start with a new quarterback, maybe look at Trey Lance as an option. You might just have to eat it. Uh, again, that's not a, that's a the, 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 to me there are two really bad options, and you're trying to find the worst, of, you know, the best of the bad bad ones at this point. Because to me, locking yourself into Dak Prescott for four, five, six more years, which is what you're going to do to extend him. I, again, I know there are people out there that love Dak Prescott. I just know he's had eight years to try to take this team on a playoff run, and every opportunity he's had to come up big in the playoffs, he's come up small. And I don't know. I think that's enough body of work to know that that's him. That's who he is. Um, you know, that's that's why he gets the Kirk Cousins, the Alex Smith comparisons. Very good player, uh, great leader, great guy in the locker room, all the things. But, man, if you're trying to get through January and get to, to that big game we just saw last Sunday – I, I think it's been proven that he's not the guy to do that. So to lock yourself onto him for five or six more years, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can have the optimism that, okay, this will be the year that it will turn. This is the coming year that he all of a sudden is going to rise up and have this unbelievably clutch gene and, you know, play his best in January. I just uh, There's too much evidence that, that uh, a two-and-five playoff record indicates and some really bad games and really bad plays in those playoff games indicates that, no, he's not. But – uh, yes, so that's, you know, you have two bad situations. Can you really uh, deal with a $59.5 million cap hit for this uh, for this season and deal with that and not restructure it? I understand that's, that's not uh, ideal, but is it better than, you know, lot, stretching out this quarterback for five or six more years? I, I, I mean, you have to ask yourself that, especially, you know, if you like Trey Lance. You made a trade for Trey Lance, who was the third pick in the draft a few years ago. Uh, is there something there with him that he can become your guy? At least you find out. And, yeah, it would lead to some bad seasons. It would lead to some, some years that aren't great. But at the same time, you're on, beginning the process of trying to find the next quarterback that could be that guy. I, I know it's not, a, it's not a great conversation if you're Cowboys fans. You want to talk about optimism things and, and fun things. But at the same time, there's a reality to it that uh, if you do indeed, Jerry Jones, and you're 81 years old and you'd like to win a, or get to another Super Bowl, uh, I just don't think you have the quarterback to do it right now. So how do you go about getting and trying to find that next quarterback? I know it's, uh, it's not a great conversation. I would say this, too, to your point about the draft. You know, as it stands now, their 2023 draft was not good, Rod, uh, Ty. Uh, you know, their drafts of late have been great, right? The, the, the Getting, you know, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs in one draft and uh, guys of that ilk. I mean, they've had some great drafts, and that's why they're so talented. I mean, they had nine – stinking nine all pros. Uh, so talent's not the problem. But this past year's draft – you could argue, I mean, not even argue, it's just on, it's on our, in arguments. It has produced nothing. I mean, Mozzie Smith has been a bust so far. Uh, there are some fears that he's another Taco Charlton out of Michigan. Uh, but as you said, there's time to develop. Luke Shoemaker, the tight end. You know, you got Jake Ferguson now, and he's going to be your go-to tight end. So now you have two tight ends. You probably could have used something more, um, you know, running back in that spot in the second round, uh, somebody else in that spot. But uh, Shoemaker, we'll see if he becomes a player. DeMarvion Overshone. I like the pick at pick 90, but, of course, he got hurt and uh, wasn't able to play this year. Uh, Fajoko the Edge out of San Diego State did nothing. Uh, so, so far, your draft class of last year has done it didn't produce much. Um, so that, that, that is uh, defeating as well. And I'd say this, uh, when you get to this, this draft rod, or Ty, the, the problem for the Cowboys is you want a, a, a sexy pick. I think they're going to be in a position where they have to take an offensive lineman with the 24th pick. Am I wrong about that? I think they'll re-sign Tyron Smith. I, I, I mean, if you can, I mean, they they'll, they they can free up twenty million in cap space by cutting Gallup and Cooks, which I think they're going to do. Gallup for sure. Um, you're going to restructure Dak's contract, even though we don't want him to. They'll free up probably another fifteen to twenty million. There's, you're not going to resign Tony Pollard. 
I, I think they might uh, they might look at running back three to four in the third to fourth round. But I, I think you go defensive tackle again, if not offensive lineman in the first round. I I, I, I wouldn't I, I think that would be a splashy pick. If you can get a good guy, especially if you can trade up and get one of the top tackles, go for it. But just don't just draft an offensive lineman because you need to drop, draft an offensive lineman. You know. Yeah, I mean they did it a couple years ago with Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Yeah, that worked that out though. To, I mean that that, that was looked that was looked at at like a reach at the time, and he was probably well, one of the best offensive well, linemen in that class. And it was a reach because based on because you you could have had him later, but at the same time, as the Cowboys said, you know the, he wouldn't have been there the next time they came around, right? So you sometimes you got to reach at a position of need, and that's what the Cowboys did in that spot. I didn't criticize it. I was in Vegas for that draft, and I was was on saying I, I I like it. I mean, yes, sometimes you have to reach at a need position, and Tyler Smith has certainly filled a need for them. And maybe if if you don't resign Tyron Smith, he can slide out to left tackle full time, and you can draft a guard. And that's what I'm saying. If you want a sexy Cowboys pick come April. You may not get it because they they need offensive line. And so when you're talking about the top, you know, tackles in the class, I mean, there are some really good ones at the top. The kid, Joe Alt from Notre Dame is really good. Uh, there are some good tackles. But where the Cowboys are drafting, you're going to be looking at the uh, – uh, you're going to look at the kid from Oregon State, Talese Fuaga. You're going to be looking at uh, Patrick Paul out of Houston, maybe in the second round. Uh, the kid out of Oklahoma, people like to, Guyton. Uh, so those are the kind of names you're looking for. But, uh, yeah, so it's not going to be one of those sexy running back, you know, receiver picks, I don't believe, for the Cowboys. I think it's going to be meat and potatoes, which you know, can be a good thing for your Dallas Cowboys. So Mike Zimmer is in. Mike McCarthy's in charge of the offense. Jerry Jones is still the biggest problem they have right now. We know that. Uh, they're also underway out at Riviera. Charlie Hoffman, your early leader in the first round of that event. Ben Griffin is there too. As we mentioned, it is a star-studded event. Uh, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. Ty, you know, whenever you, when you watch uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, is that one of your shows? You a big fan of that? I've watched it all, yeah. Curb. A lot of times when you see the golf scenes, uh, you know, where they're playing at the golf course, they go to the club. A lot of times after Riviera. Uh, they're mm. not, not far from Beverly Hills. I believe is where they uh, – it's either that or the L.A. Country Club. I'm not sure what, what they use there. But uh, this is a, a famous golf course right there in L.A., beautiful part of the country. They'll be playing this weekend. But it's nine of the ten top world-ranked players in the world, top-ranked top, top players in the world, and Tiger Woods and three Longhorns are teeing off at this event today. Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, and Bo Hossler will be playing. So uh, over should under, have a nice lead run. Over-under for Tiger's birdies, over-under three, first round. Today? Mm-hmm. Uh, first round, I'd go over that. Because he may have some bogeys too, but I think he'll put some birdies on the board. This is he likes this course a lot. Um, you know, this is his tournament, of course. He's the host of this tournament, so uh, I would go over that today if I'm popping. Okay, might take that. Okay. I guess it's too late now. Wait, he tees off at eleven thirty, right? Yeah, you got a little bit for him. All right, I'll think about it. Think about it. Yeah. All right, got three NBA games tonight. That's it, and then it's the All Star break. If you're looking for that, um, but golf, if you're a fan, you'll get get some golf. Not a lot of college basketball tonight either. It's that time of year, folks. It's mid February. If you're looking for live sports on TV, you gotta you gotta dig a little as the football has come to an end. Uh, all right, uh, good stuff right there. Can we uh, pick this back up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. A lot to do again. Rod will be back with us. We'll go five hours of conversation uh, to get you into your weekend on a Friday. Unfortunately, it won't be a football Friday for the first time in quite a while. But we'll make it a football Friday because we'll talk plenty of it tomorrow. Everything else that's happening, we'll get to it tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Hook them up with E and Rod B. Appreciate you being with us. Appreciate uh, C.J. Vogel. Appreciate Drew Bishop for joining us today. Uh, if you missed either of those interviews talking Longhorn football and baseball, make sure you go find the podcast at hornfm.com. Jim Rome coming your way next. Followed. By Rich Eisen, then it's Patrick Davis in the Sports Complex, all part of a busy Thursday. Have a great one.